the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, October the 12th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1492, according to the old-style calendar, Christopher Columbus's expedition arrived in the present-day Bahamas. Today in 1792, the first recorded U.S. celebration of Columbus Day was held to mark the tricentennial of Christopher Columbus's landing in present-day Bahamas. Today in 1870, General Robert E. Lee died in Lexington, Virginia. He was 63 years old. Today in 1933, bank robber John Dillinger, he escaped from a jail in Allen County, Ohio, with the help of his gang who killed the sheriff. That's an historical footnote because the sheriff had claimed far and wide that John Dillinger would never escape from his jail. Today in 1984, Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, she escaped an attempt on her life when an Irish Republican Army bomb exploded at a hotel in Brighton, England. It killed five people. She escaped. Today in 1986, the superpower meeting in Reykjavik, Iceland, ended in a stalemate. President Ronald Reagan, Soviet leader Gorbachev, they were unable to agree on arms control or even a date for a full-fledged summit in the United States. So they just walked away. Ronald Reagan, one of the greatest. Today in 2007, former Vice President Al Gore and the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, they won the Nobel Peace Prize for sounding the alarm on global warming. Yes, indeed they did. The Biden administration has awarded $41.3 million in federal contracts to an advocacy group aligned with George Soros. They're aligned with the progressive left's Vera Institute of Justice, which helps illegal immigrants fight deportation from the United States. That's $41 million of taxpayers' money. The Acacia Center for Justice, it's a Washington-based nonprofit created through a cooperation between the Vera Institute of Justice and the Capital Area Immigrants Rights Coalition, was rewarded, awarded six contracts from the Department of Justice to provide legal services starting on September 1. The Vera Institute of Justice is also receiving millions in funding from George Soros. So George Soros is propping up these organizations so they can apply for these grants, and the Biden administration is giving them tens of millions of dollars, $41 million in this last little package all wrapped up with a bow, like Christmas. He's giving it to them so they can advocate for illegal aliens in America, advocate for them to try to stop any of our Border Patrol organizations, from deporting them. Whether they're criminals, it doesn't matter. 
It's amazing. Now Biden is coming to Portland and Seattle this weekend. He's coming here to fix the political issue. I talked about that yesterday at some length. But he's also coming because he's in the process of passing out money, (laughs) more money. It's still our money. Maybe he doesn't know that, but we should know that. He's passing out money. Washington State is going to get $1 billion infrastructure, the bipartisan infrastructure. You're going to be hearing hearing him say that, whether you're in Portland or Seattle, you're going to be hearing that over and over and over again. It's a bipartisan infrastructure bill. Well, I mean, our infrastructure is important, and I, I support infrastructure uh, maintenance and, and improvement and all of that. I mean, I drive the streets just like we all do, and, man, those potholes are awful. Uh, and the bridges, you know, you hope they don't fall down. Remember that one that, that truck hit north of Seattle here a couple of years ago and the bridge fell into the river? I mean, it was up, I don't know, north of Everett somewhere. But, um, I mean, it's never what it appears to be. That's the problem. Washington is getting, I just took a quick look at this. I, I just got to drop this. I'm not going to talk about this very long, but this $1 billion that's coming. I mean, you're going to hear this on the news all day long. Como is going to be reporting, Cairo, all these guys. And Oregon, it'll be the same, I'm sure. But anyway, Washington gets $1 billion. And um, here's kind of where it's supposed to go at a glance. 496 million, almost 969, almost 400, 497 million dollars is going to the National Highway Performance Program. Well, what is that? Well, it's whatever they decide it's going to be. 241,768,000 is going to service, uh, surface trans, uh, transportation block grant. I would presume that's resurfacing some of the highways and Roads, state roads, or whatever. Fifty-two million is going to highway safety improvement program. I would assume that might be signs to tell you, you know, whatever. Uh, four four point two million is going to railway highway crossings program. Forty-one million is going to congestion mitigation. Well, that. That's a good thing. I mean, if we get rid of mid- congestion, that's a good thing. Oh, and it's and air quality program. I'm predicting that $41,067,000 is going to congestion mitigation and air quality program will mostly go to air quality program, and it won't be all of the $41 million. That's just me. $9 million to metropolitan planning. Twenty-three million to National Highway Freight Program, twenty-one million to Carbon Reduction Program. So we got twenty-one million to Carbon Reduction Program, and forty-one million that'll probably go mostly to Air Quality Program. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then the Protect Formula Program gets twenty-four million. National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Program gets fifteen million, and bridges get one hundred and thirty million. So they're passing out a lot of dough, I'll tell you. Lots of money. I couldn't help but think, I mean, we're not into the Christmas season yet, but it's looming and you're seeing some ads now with Christmas. I think about that little song. I, I don't know if I can remember the 
Remember, the words are not, but you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. Well, I, th- I think Joe is wanting to be Santa Claus. He, he's not telling not to cry or pout directly, but he's kind of inferring that. He's saying if you don't complain about inflation and open borders and a looming recession and price of groceries and the price of gas, and you might get a gift. But if you're one of those Republicans, one of those conservatives, you're not going to get anything. We're going to cut you out. But I'm bringing gifts for the left, for the far left. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. He's going to know if you're woke, if you're tolerant, if you're inclusive. And if you're not, you're not going to get anything. Why would we? You're going to get a piece of coal or whatever. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sakes. You know how to be good. Don't dissent. Don't spread misinformation. Don't even think that there could have been some skullduggery in the last election. Don't even think that, much less say it out loud. Enough of that. Anyway, Santa Claus is coming to town. And if you haven't been good, nice, and doing the right thing, you probably aren't going to get much of the money he's passing out. He's passing out a lot of it. I want to talk to you a little bit today about Chase Bank, how it's closing Christian organizations and some conservatives that are not Christian. And I'm going to be talking about several organizations that have had problems with Chase Bank, some of which are not Christian. And I'm not endorsing those organizations. I'm just saying that that's happened. But there are Christian organizations now that have been in conservative that have been just canceled by Chase for no reason. A nonpartisan, nonprofit, faith-based organization led by a former United States ambassador, former U.S. senator, and former governor of Kansas, Sam Brownback. Many of you know him or know about him. He says his Chase bank account was abruptly closed with little explanation. The National Committee for Religious Freedom, that's the NCRF, it's a 501c4 political action nonprofit whose stated mission is focused on defending the right of everyone in America to live one's faith freely. He opened an account with Chase Bank back in April. Within 20 days, Chase had closed the account with no explanation. And this is a trend. It started. Not asking you to do anything today, although there is a move to encourage people to pull their accounts out of Chase Bank. I'm just trying to inform you so you'll know what's going on. This is a trend. It's not a one-off experience that we're just talking about. It's happening. And my sense is we're going to see more of this, not less of this. Sam, Sam Brownback, he's the NCRF chairman, and he's the former U.S. ambassador at large for the international religious freedom under the Trump administration, as well as the other offices that I mentioned a moment ago. He says that NCRF, their organization, initially had a very positive experience with the bank. But he said less than three weeks after it w- the, the account was opened, Chase informed them on May the 6th that the bank would be closing their account. So you know, what's going on? You just the bank goes, yep, you're you're done. I'm going to close your account. You're it's over. Well, earlier this year, the New York Post was reporting, and here's what they said earlier this year: 
Conservative, I'm quoting them, conservative activists are calling out America's largest financial institution, charging that they are being targeted. J.P. Morgan Chase is under fire for closing the bank accounts of several customers in the conservative movement, as other right-wingers are threatening to close their accounts unless the bank plays nice. They say this, still quoting the New York Post, If Jamie Dimon can't absolutely guarantee that Chase Bank won't ever discriminate against conservatives, conservatives should consider banking elsewhere. Warned David uh, Almasi, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's the vice president of the conservative-leaning National Center for Public Policy Research. He was referring to J.P. Morgan's chairman and CEO, this Dimon. J.P. Morgan first landed in hot water, the Post says, after conservative activists Enrique Torrio, Joe Biggs, Laura Loomer, and Martina Marcota discovered their accounts at Chase were closed within weeks of each other, earlier this year, and without any satisfactory explanations, according to their account. Torito, I don't know all these people, I, don't, I kind of know about them, but Torito is, the, is a big supporter of President Donald Trump, as you may know. He's head of the Proud Boys organization. Several Chase managers could not give him a satisfactory reason. He went storming in there, I'm sure he did, uh, storming in there for the account and wanted to know why the accounts were closed. One of the managers that he spoke to said, I don't know, it's mind-boggling. I don't know why my bank is doing this. I'm just wondering, They so the Post was reporting that they were after anyone that they could, could see was visible and that was conservative in their you know, words and deeds and so on. So... Are they now? And now Sam Brownback, his is a really, he's a, a very devout Christian guy and, and a great guy from all I, I don't know him, but I've watched him over the years. He seemed to be a, a pretty, very solid guy, smart guy, and very committed to principles, Judeo Christian principles, and so on. So are they now starting to turn? I mean, so they've been after these conservative organizations that I mentioned that, that, New York Post mentioned earlier this year. So now are they beginning to turn toward Christian and religious organizations? Brownback, a Christian, he said there was never an official cause given. They just closed the account. He said when an NCRF official went to make a deposit into the account, the clerk said, oh, that account is closed. According to Brownback, the NCRF executive director, this Justin Murph, he reached out for more information on the move. He was told the decision was made at the corporate level. wasn't made locally. And they quizzed him about it. They said, well, what, what's the deal? And he said, well, he said, it, it's secret. It's irrevocable. That's all the information we got. He, he said this to a guy who's been a U.S. senator and a governor, governor of Kansas and, and an ambassador under the, under the uh, uh, Trump administration and all of this. After Chase employees initially told NCRF they were prohibited, I'm quoting them, from providing any explanations for the move, the banker later said that the, the organization, NCRF, failed to provide the requested documentation within 60 days. The problem with that was that even the, the account had only been open 20 days when they closed it. 
So that was just a lie. I mean, it, it was not, there was no truth in it. And after looking further into the issue, there was a representative from the Chase Executive Office identified only as Chi-Chi. This is the executive office of the largest bank in the, in the country, Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi, I don't know what Chi-Chi's pronouns are. I don't really care. But anyway, Chi-Chi contacted Murph and explained that it might be possible to continue the business relationship. In other words, we might be able to open an account for you. But <laughs> said if NCRF could provide some further details about the nonprofit's political activities. This is the same thing that Lois Lerner was doing to the uh, to the to the conservatives back several years ago. The Tea Party, remember that? Lois Lerner ended up resigning or taking her retirement in disgrace, which is was like I don't know, three, four hundred grand a year. I mean, it was pathetic how that turned out. There were no consequences for her, and she was blatantly taking action as the IRS. She weaponized it against these, particularly the Tea Party organizations that were organizing in those days. This is concerning to me because as I look at this, I see how that there's never consequences. So these people are, are willing to go the extra mile, so to speak, to try to shut down or silence the voices that they disagree with. And they use our institutions that were, that were created and, and are defined to, to give strength to the country, regardless of your beliefs, whether you're a far-left nut or whether you're a Judeo-Christian conservative or just a conservative, not a particularly religious person. I mean, that's what America is about. It's about the freedom to, to, to believe and, and, and even act on those beliefs lawfully. And yet we have a, a, a we have a, a culture of lawlessness on the one hand, and a culture that is tightening around the very beliefs that bring about order in a society, in a culture. Boy, I'll tell you, you have to wonder: Is Chase Bank purging the accounts of conservatives and Christians purposefully? It appears they are. Maybe randomly now. I mean, just picking willy-nilly, a conservative here and a conservative there, or a proud boy that they don't like. But this is very serious stuff. And that's why they're pushing back, I mean, really hard. They're saying, oh, no, 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 we, we would never discriminate. Of course they would discriminate. They already have. The New York Post said back in May, last week's shareholders meeting reminded Almasi of George Orwell's 1984, you know, the book. We've talked about it here. A lot of people talk about it. Almasi delivered a copy of the, uh, it's a dystopian, futuristic novel. I'm sure you, you know about it, George Orwell's book. He wrote several, but 1984 is, is by far the best known. But anyway, um, he got this to a, an employee at uh, J.P. Morgan Chase and asked him to get this to the, uh, the CEO of the company, to this Dimon, and he did. And um, the book was set up the, up the line, it, up, and it got into the hands of Dimon, to underline the view that this current debanking and deplatforming of conservatives by American businesses, from J.P. Morgan to social media platforms, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook, Twitter, all of that, we talk about it, and we will, 
This is akin to how political adversaries had their identities crushed in Orwell's book. It's a parallel. I mean, it's strikingly parallel. Almasi and other critics fear the recent account closures by J.P. Morgan may be part of a larger purge by the bank, not yet public, of other accounts affiliated with right-leaning causes. Where does this stop? So they said Dimon has only muddied the waters after assuring him the bank is not currently closing accounts for political reasons. This was their official statement when they finally got them cornered about this and said, what are you doing? He said, well, the bank is not currently closing accounts for political reasons, but he fell far short of a flat-out blanket denial. I was able to tell him that we have circumstantial evidence that people lost their bank accounts. Almasi told the Post he was recalling how he questioned Dimon at the shareholders' meeting that was held in Chicago the, the, week, the week after this conversation. And he, he, he said he asked him publicly in front of stockholders whether Chase had debanked conservatives and will not wield its power against conservatives in the future. Almasi, representing his group, he's he's the head of Free Enterprise Project, he said Dimon assured him publicly that the bank has not pulled any more customer accounts, but he would not say that it won't do so in the future for the same reasons. Boy, I'll tell you, Brown is asking, he said, does Chase ask every customer what politicians they support and why they're doing what they're doing before deciding whether or not to accept them as a customer? Well, that same question crossed my mind, and I would assume it had crossed your mind as well. I hope it does. Because ultimately, NCRF was able to open a new account at a different bank, but not after facing a very unexpected, you know, operation that they didn't plan to do in a financial challenge. I mean, anytime you start changing banks and all that kind of thing, even if you're a small organization, I mean, it just is, it's weighty and it takes a lot of time and you, you got to start over. And I mean, there's just all these things that happen. We all know that. I mean, we all have a, a budget, even a, our family budget or whatever. But Brownback said after the ordeal, he said he believes it's time for Congress to hold a series of hearings investigating businesses particularly big corporations that exclude people. And he said, we need to try to find out why. He said, there needs to be pressure put on these people, these big corporations. NCRF has also launched its <laughs> hashtag chased away campaign. They want to hear from other faith-based, uh, faith-based organizations on whether they have had similar experiences. He says, I just never expected it would happen to me or this organization. that That's a point that I want to pause on just for a moment. I, I think many of us, I, I know I do, and I think you do as well. I think we're all kind of alike in many ways. But when I hear about persecution or when I hear about something in a public school in Baltimore or, or you know, Boston or wherever, you listen to that, and I mean, it's meaningful if you care. And I think most all of us that are together today on this program and listening and so on, I think we care. We do. But somehow there's kind of a disconnect. I mean, if if it's somewhere else and you just think, boy, I'm sure, sure glad we don't have that here, whatever it is. 
whether it's a some drag queen in a library influencing five-year-old kids. I mean, it's horrendous. But somehow we have this, this sense, and parents even, in regards to schools, but this applies to a much broader, in a much broader sense. We have the sense that, well, you know, it, it won't, I'm sure glad it isn't happening here where I live in, you know, Seattle or Topnish or whatever. I mean, when it comes to us, it has a much greater impact. That's just human nature. And I think that's what Brownback was saying. <laughs> he told the press, he said, I just never expected it would happen to me or to this organization. He's a humble man. I mean, he's not an ego maniac like some of the politicians are. He wasn't suggesting because he was a big deal, but he kind of is. I mean, he's done a lot of things. He's been the governor of Kansas, and as I said earlier, U.S. in the U.S. Senate, and represented the United States as an ambassador under the Trump administration and all of that. He just didn't think it would happen to him. And that's all of us, whether we've you know been in you know the public eye or not, we just don't think it'll happen to us. But this is what's happening. There's a there's a squeeze. They, the left has got their their hands around the throat of America and the people that disagree with their agenda. Their agenda is Marxism in its most ugly, destructive form. It just has morphed from an economic Marxism to a cultural Marxism. And I've talked about that before on this program and certainly will in the future. But that's where we are today. And that's why we see these kinds of things happening. I'm just wondering, I'm wondering if they could debank Brownback and his NCRF organization, a multi-faith religious nonprofit, what happens when they start debanking pastors, Christian businesses, other people that they disagree with? You say, oh, they never have. Well, they, they're doing it now. They're kicking people off these media, social media platforms they used to be sincerely sorry. Now they hardly mention it. They hardly express any. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, he goes through his drill. He flies to D.C. in his private jet. He walks in there. He sits down and says, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, well, this I'll see to it that this never happens again. He gets on his jet, laughs, and comes back to California. I mean, that's the way it works. Nothing ever happens to these people. There are no consequences until they get caught, and then they just go, oh, why? we'll see that this never happens again. This will take steps, blah, blah, blah. But it always happens again if it's a, toward a persecution point of view of any group. But particularly, I think there is a focus now toward conservatism and Christianity that we have not seen in this blessed country until now. Second Timothy chapter three verse twelve says, "Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution." In Matthew chapter five verse ten, Jesus said, "Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Second Corinthians chapter twelve verse ten, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. <laughs> oh, Paul, please. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There is virtue and value that comes out of persecution, but it will come. John fifteen eighteen says, If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me 
before it hated you. That is kind of the story, the byline of Christianity. There has always been those people who hated Christianity, but even more so hated the Christians themselves. Thank you so much for being with me today. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for your support. We need it. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.